What's up, Brett? Hey, Jed. <laughs> Snuck up hey, right Jed. behind you. Yeah. So um, we have a special treat for you today. Uh, again, that might be in the eyes of the beholder. But um, <laughs> So um, before I let Jed talk, I want to let you know that we're wrapping up Psalms today. Uh, we've been in an eight-week uh, study of Psalms. And next week, we're going to start, we're going to roll right into a study of uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. I think we have about nine messages, in that, and we're calling it Enjoy, because in that book, um, or his letter, Paul refers to rejoicing or being joyful uh, almost 20 times. And uh, some of the most known verses that you, all these verses that you often hear quoted, they all come out of Philippians, so I'll, I'll talk more about that. But really, this book in the end uh, that we'll be studying is, it's about how to enjoy life. And if uh, you're looking to do that uh, in the midst of whatever your life is bringing to you, I hope that uh, you'll be here next Sunday when we kick that off. So anyway, that's my uh, shameless infomercial. And so Jed, take over, and I'm just going to listen the rest of the time. That's what I was planning on doing, actually. <laughs> hey, I am really excited about how we're closing out this series. If you have been with us or if you haven't, we have been studying through the book of Psalms throughout summer You've gotten here from Britt, from myself, from Mojo, our high school pastor, Danny, our middle school pastor. It's been filled with so much goodness. And so I decided this morning that we would uh, see if we could keep the good times rolling. And I surprised Britt with an idea. So here's the deal. Every week I have the opportunity to hang out with Britt. You know, we have a service recap on Monday morning. And then on Tuesday we have our one-on-one. -on -one. And over the course of every single time we get together at some point... We'll start talking about scripture. We'll start talking about the Bible. And inevitably, Britt will just riff a sermon out. And I'm sitting across his desk, and I just start doing this, like, oh, man, that is so good. So one day, he was riffing a little bit, yeah, sermonizing. And I said, Britt, why don't we close out Psalms by the Numbers, and let's just see what happens. So here's the deal. We picked a song. You guys can tell by your note sheet, right? It's like not, not a lot of points, so like this is squishy for me. I'm a, I'm a program guy. So I'm, I didn't I'm mean sweating to too, Britt. No, okay, I, yeah. I, I'm just running Ooh. hot a little bit this morning. <laughs> so here's the deal. We picked Psalm 117, which I'll read to you. We'll have our nice to knows, and then we're just going to see what happens. Uh, this week, when Britt and I got together, we said, we will not talk about this sermon one bit, and we're just going to see what happens. What? <laughs> So, so <laughs> to keep us from going too long, one of the things I'm going to do yes. is uh, I've, I'm going to set my timer on my phone for 25 minutes. I'm not saying we'll stop when it rings, <laughs> but I'm setting it right now, okay? Okay, Britt. Okay, it's going. Okay, we tend to be a little bit long-winded, so today we can uh, help each other out. All right, well, speaking of the, the opposite of long-winded, we're going to be in Psalm 117 this morning. I'm going to read that to you. And there, Britt, why don't you give us some nice to know? Psalm 117, okay. it says this, Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you people, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Pretty short and sweet, Britt. What's yeah. a nice to know that you have about this Well, what's song? yours? <laughs> is that how we're going to be? Yeah. <laughs> My nice to know is that Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm. And then two chapters later, we have the longest psalm, Psalm 119. That was my yeah. nice to know. For you. Yeah. So, um, 
it made me wonder, you know, it is the shortest psalm. It's also the shortest chapter in your Bible. Okay. And I wondered, like, if uh, the psalm writers started getting emails or in touch cards that said, you know, your psalms are too long. <laughs> Cut them back a little bit. And uh, so maybe that happened. But my nice to know goes with that. It's like it's an irony that goes with this. Um, why does it take two guys to teach the shortest psalm? I don't know. It's something to think about. But another nice to know is, and I think this will come out in our conversation, that this is a greatly debated psalm. You'd think yes. that, you know, uh, the, the devil's in the details, but as simple as this psalm is, it's been debated by uh, biblical scholars, and we'll probably get to that yeah. eventually. So anyway, those are my nice to knows. Okay, Britt, so here's where I'm going to begin to put you on the spot. I'm telling you, this is not planned whatsoever. So one of the things I've appreciated the most about you is your directness. And every now and then, when not one everybody meeting, appreciates well, that. By well, <laughs> I know you're a division chief for years. It was probably a skill that you learned at some point in the fire. But what was it in your life that taught you to be straight to the point? Oh, well, let me massage that a little bit in my answer. No, that was pretty good. <laughs> I thought. Um, I don't. I think it's just the way God made me. And I think the environments that I've lived in has required us not to dilly-dally around, um, you know, in the fire department, in an emergency situation, or even just trying to make a decision. Uh, you have to get straight to it. Yeah. You know, I used to have this one fireman that would write me. He, he would want, like, a new recliner for his fire station. And it would be, like, a two-page email. And I started, started calling him Tolstoy. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, dude, just send me an email and say, I would like a recliner for my station, don't tell me why it's a safety issue and, you know, firefighters are going to die if you don't get this recliner anyway. <laughs> so I can never train them to be direct. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. I know I struggle with that. I, I've told you after we've left meetings that every now and then I feel like I laid too much out on the table and maybe it'd be helpful to find a way to, to cut to it, but that's an issue with me, yeah. for sure. No way. Thanks, Britt. Yeah. Don't do that anymore. Okay, I'll try. How about that? Well, I wanted to start there, Britt, because like we said, this is the shortest psalm, and it seems as though the psalmist is really wanting to get after a particular thing. Mm -hmm. So as you were studying, what did you find? What do you think the psalmist was really trying to get to? Well, my study pattern usually is to like, kind of like start way up high, okay. kind of just get like a 10,000-foot view and I think if you look at this in macro, there's really just two things happening here at the okay. macro level. What, what would you say they are, Jeff? I think at the macro level, there's this universal call for all people of the earth to come and worship God. Yeah. And then after that, it seems like it's because it's in response to who God is and what yeah. he's done. I mean, that's... That's Do you I guys did. see that? Is the verse up there? Could you put the verse up there again? Or the psalm? It's like there's a, in verse 1, there's a, there's a call to praise. And then in verse 2, there's kind of the rationale behind it. Kind of the, this is why it is worthy to come together and praise mm. God. That's a jump off the page. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's where I started with that. Just like kind of looking at it through that lens. Do you mind if we pause real quick for that very first word, praise? Yeah, I would love to okay. talk about that. All right, praise. so we just finished a time of worship. Yeah, worship through song. Uh, 
I mean, I guess it'd be important to say that worship isn't just singing. You know, I know a lot of us don't enjoy singing too much. And as someone who has led worship for the last 10 years or so, I can tell you uh, that there have been times in my life where I've been super discouraged as I've been up on this stage and I've looked out and, you know, I've, I've kind of just watched people looking at me. It's a pretty odd thing. But you said something, I think it was last week, and then we can go into the praise part, but you said that the older that you've gotten, you feel as though it's become easier for you during our times of worship through song. What is that? I think it's partly senility. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> Dementia, you know, you're just not aware of your surroundings. Um, Were you just saving that word? No, no. Oh. That's not a, is that a big word? Yes. I wonder, like, how many of you here today, like, the worship part is, like, maybe, you don't have to say you hate it, but, like, it's just uncomfortable for you. It's different. Raise your hand. Be honest. Come on. Come on. Come on now. Some of you. It's That's like, it? Okay. Wow. I'll raise my oh, hand. That's awesome. You guys are, <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, it being really weird to me to stand and sing in a church. Um, but I think, because uh, I didn't have that as a, I, there was no experience like that. Um, so I found it to be strange. And, and I think, but I think my heart has been bent toward God to, and there's so much in the Bible about praising him. Yeah. That that's one way that I do it. And so I, I think as I've grown in the Lord and then also uh, gotten a little older, that like that expression has yeah. become easier for me. Yeah, there's something about being up here and every now and then we'll hit moments during the service or a particular song when it just suddenly feels like the Holy Spirit has us in sync. Mm. It seems like the room has gone to a different place. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, and I want to put Brown on the spot here, but every now and then for a particular song, you'll just, you'll just be like full on yeah, extended. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like that's, we've hit something here. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. I, I wanted to pause at the, the praise part for a little bit, and then, Britt, I don't know what you've got next, but I was talking to one of our supported missionaries, our, our youngest supported missionary, actually. Her name is Megan Myers, and I have a FaceTime call with Megs every two weeks on Tuesday morning before our one-on-one, -on -one. and it's been about a month or so since we'd last connected because she actually had the opportunity to take a break from the place that she's serving. Uh, she has a two-year commitment overseas in the Middle East, and she had two weeks where she got to go and spend time in Europe. She was super excited about it. She got to wear her regular American clothes, was traveling through the city. But on Tuesday, she shared this short video with me about when she arrived at France. And any of you soccer fans? Yeah, it was, it was kind of a disappointment this year for the World Cup because the United States wasn't represented. And so I know that a lot of us, the one time we watch soccer is then or if your kid plays. And so we didn't watch it much this year. But Megs arrived at France after France had won the World Cup. Oh, geez. It, and so she sent me this video. I should have uploaded it, but it was pretty crazy. There are cars passing through the street, everyone holding up their flags, and the car that she's in front of is being shaken <laughs> by fans, and they drape a flag over it, and they're just screaming and dancing and singing. And the reason why I bring that point up is because the word praise in Hebrew, halal, you know, it can denote a boasting and a ra like a raving, super excited, pumped up 
feeling. And I just imagine when Megs was in France and the city was lit because France just won the World Cup, uh, there was something about witnessing that. And there had to be something super compelling. I mean, whether or not you're an American or you're from France or you're visiting and touring, your heart had to be moved by seeing these thousands, millions of people celebrate their country winning a game. And so it just makes me wonder why it's been so difficult for me over the years or for us. You know, we say we believe in God. We say we believe in the gospel. And Jesus died for us, was raised from the dead, invites us to new life. And then we kind of miss out on that exuberant, this church is on fire like France feeling. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that, Britt? I, I just, again, I think we're, uh, we're kind of all wired differently that way. But um, How many of you are like pretty exuberant fans about some sport? Raise your hand. Okay. How, how, so how many of you feel like you're pretty exuberant in your worship at church? Okay. So a little less. I, I don't know. There's like a, a cultural thing or whatever. I don't want to make it overly spiritual, but uh, um, I would encourage you. And I want to talk a little bit about what it means to worship or praise yeah, yeah. And, and some of the things I think are being uh, advocated for that I, I don't think necessarily are praise and worship mm. or you know go beyond uh, some lines. But um, I would encourage you, it, even if you're a guy, <laughs> Uh, like, don't be so bound up, you know? Don't be so tight. Um, if you really think about why we've gathered together, I know it's like to hear a great sermon, but um, <laughs> like we're gathering together as people to worship God, the, the God that we sang about who cannot be stopped, who mm-hmm. has saved us, who is recklessly in love with us. And uh, those are... It's like such unbelievable things. We have a lot to be expressive about. Yeah. It's just convicting. I mean, I I see us here week in and week out, and I just imagine if an outsider were to come in to our worship service and if they were to watch us engage at a different level, what it might do to them as as they witness that. Yeah. You know, I, and I think there's a lot of debate here. People, we can get off track with thinking that it's only uh, like the most expressive worship mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. true or that, that's more spiritual. I definitely heard people say that or people uh, kind of put it in, a, in a, a musical sense. Like, you know, like, well, this music is really worshipful and that <laughs> music is not. Really what we're saying is I like this one better yes, than the other. Yes. Uh, the, the Bible college class that I met Cindy in, uh, mm-hmm. personal evangelism, with Dr. R.O. Woodworth. I remember one Sunday, or one class, he got up in the middle of this giant auditorium and he, and he said, you know, I've just heard from heaven. Oh, and he was an older gentleman, you know, in his 80s. And then he went off on this whole thing about how all the new music isn't Holy Spirit inspired, <laughs> only the hymns were. And uh, we're like, okay, you know. Uh, so that, you know, we can kind of get stuck in that rut where, like, our thing should be everybody else's thing. Mm. And I, I think that that's, that's a dangerous area. In fact, I think some of the things that I see that come out of, uh, you know, what it means to praise mm-hmm. God, like, one thing is accuracy, mm-hmm. right? 
accuracy to the word of God, Jesus said that the, the true worshipers must worship me in spirit and in truth. Yes. So there's kind of like the, our emotions coming together and then the truth of God's word. And one of the things that's concerning to me that I see in the Christian community, and, and I think it's been perpetual, but like there are things being called worship today that yeah. I, I don't see in the Bible. I don't, uh, I, they don't make sense to me. And, uh, you know, all theology is based in experience in some way. But I think that there are things that people call worship, and then they say, well, this is the only way to worship. And I, I just, I don't think that that's biblical in any sense. And in some ways, it's completely unbiblical. Oh, I totally agree with you, Britt. I mean, let me go on a little sidetrack here. That passage in John chapter 4, where Jesus is with a Samaritan woman, Moja alluded to it the other week, but when he says that true worshipers, worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth, there's this play in the Greek there where these words are actually supposed to be understood together. And we tend to say, well, this is true worship and this is spirit-filled worship. But when Jesus expresses that, you know, a closer rendition could be, we'll worship in the spirit of truth. And so it's this moment where he's attempting to have this woman see that he's in fact the Messiah that she's looking for. And I remember being 19 when I was writing my capstone paper at Hope International. And, you know, at the time, the, the goal was to become a worship pastor. And so this paper was actually supposed to be about how we engage our communities during worship as a teaching time. So not just a singing time, but really a responsible means to communicate truth. And so my thesis for that paper was that worship is this active and intentional response to who God is. All he has done through his son, Jesus, and all he's continuing to do through the Holy Spirit. And so, I mean, I'm right there with you. When you talk about things that people might say, you know, this is worship and that's not worship, we can see that it really is about us intentionally responding to who God is and what yeah. he's done, I mean, the gospel. And I think our, our hearts are as, as important as anything else. You know, Isaiah, and then also in the gospels, Jesus repeats it uh, several times, the idea that, there are people that honor me with their, yes, their lips, lips and their mouth, but, um, but their hearts are far yes. from me. Yes. And so, you know, it's really important. I think true worship comes from a sincere heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, on one hand, I, I, that's kind of like convicting to me that I say, mm -hmm. you know, the worship that I bring to God when, when I come into this place or when I'm worshiping by myself, it really needs to be sincere. And, um, and yet... You know, just be, because it's showy or not showy or this kind of music or that kind of music, it doesn't really matter. What, what God is most interested in when we worship is where our hearts are. Yeah, yeah. That's what, uh, you know, is what makes God's heart beat, mm. you know, that our hearts are in line with him. You guys enjoying this? I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like, come on, this is awesome. Okay, so it seems like we're running out of time here. We're 8.55 we got <laughs> left, you guys. I'm watching it. Some of you guys are wishing that we put a timer on for ourselves every yeah. week. I, I want to I bring up a question. It's like I wrote four questions in regard to this okay. message. Um, uh, one of them is like how this psalm brings forward an attitude of praise. And uh, as I studied it, one of the things I learned is that traditional Jews at this, in uh, that time they would sing this psalm as they entered into the temple. This was like their call to worship. So if you just, uh, again, put it up there. Just imagine coming into a place of worship 
mm. with these words. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine if that was constantly our focus as we came together to worship? I mean, even this morning, I was just thinking about all the things that are on my mind when I come to church. Mm. It's just like a perpetuation of the whole week. And, you know, I'm a grinder. I get on things. I have to wear a, a tooth guard because I clench. I mean, like my brain is always on. Yeah. And so I'm always thinking. And so, like, one of the things I have to do is focus in church because everything that's going on in my life assails me mm. from the moment I, I pull up here at 6 in the morning on Sunday morning. I don't know about you, but like this week I thought about, uh, you know, my adult children, my grandkids, some issues going on there, um, financial things, things that I have planned, things that, are, that I have to deal with as a pastor, uh, the decisions that I have to make. Um, you know, all these things come with me. Hmm. What I'm going to do after church today, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... Is it roses or breakfast? I don't know yet, you know, but that's in my brain. And I bring all of that here and how refocusing and how realigning would it be if there was something like this. I mean, it doesn't have to go through that process specifically seeing this, but I, I think that that idea that we come with praise on our lips and on our mind, mm -hmm. it changes what happens in church. Yeah. Because... I'm the pastor. I come with all kinds of expectations of what's going to happen at church. Yes. Your expectations are different than mine, but I'm like, how many people are going to be here? Mm -hmm. Who's going to show up? Who isn't going to show up? Is our offering going to be good yeah. this week? Um, you know, is, are we going to have tech problems? You know, it's like I'm thinking all these things. You have your list too. What yes. would it be like for you if when you came to church, you were focusing yourself yeah. on praising God for something that we haven't talked about yet, the, oh, the object of, or the topic of our praise. Now you're convicting me. <laughs> I've got quite the weekend today. We had this, and, you know, we, I'm a worship leader. I'd fill in for that. I've got a wedding that I'm doing this afternoon. So my mind has yeah. been all over, but what a reminder. Okay, Britt, let's, let's pivot a little bit. You mentioned, and you're nice to know, that as you were studying, you were encountered with all the controversy surrounding yeah this text. And so, you know, set the scene, you come to temple, you are singing this to enter, which I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. You open up with this, you're trying to recenter and refocus. What is controversial about this text? Well, it, it begins with the topic of why we're praising or the, the, the rationale behind praising, right? If you see that, um, in verse 2, it says, great is his love toward us. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the love of God. And what is that word, Jed? It his covenant has said, covenant has said. faithfulness. Yeah. yeah, his covenant. It doesn't mean love like we think about it. It's like his grace or his kindness yeah. toward us is what that they, that's the topic of their praise. That's why they're so full of praise hmm. is that they're reminding themselves of this the, the great, the powerful, strong love of God that is so reliable, it's faithful, and it endures forever. It doesn't end. And so the idea that for those that choose to follow Christ, you know, we're, 
We're so performance-based today mm. that this dispels that idea that, that somehow I have to earn God's favor. And so it starts there with that understanding that God's love is so great. But the controversy mm-hmm. is also in verse 2. Uh, look, at what it, look at verse 1, first mm-hmm. of all. It says, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. Now, this is a traditional... Hebrew writing this. And if you know anything about the Hebrew people, they're the chosen people of God. Mm -hmm. And so that can fill your heart with grace and and gratitude or can also fill your heart with pride. And that's where the the rub comes in verse 2 when the psalm continues. It says, for great is his love toward us. And the big question here is, who is the us? Yes. Who is us? That's the part, yeah, I I read rabbi after rabbi who was, I think I sent you a link to one of those articles because I figured that you were coming across this too. And the rub, the, the controversy is, why is it that this Hebrew is directing all the nations and all the people of the earth to worship the Lord, Yahweh. You know, back then, gods were regional. It wasn't, is there a God? It's whose God is greater, whose God is stronger. And so the idea for people in their space and their district is our God is the best. Our God's the strongest. Ours is the highest. And so imagine you have that worldview where isn't just God as you've seen him revealed through Jesus, but there's God after God after God and people all around the world worshiping their gods and then us calling everyone to worship our God and his love towards us. So us. who do you think, Britt? Like who, yeah. who's the us Well, there? the question, the answers could be, it could be only Israel, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be all people. You know, he, the writer is saying, praise him, all you people, all you nations, mm-hmm. right? Because great is his love toward us. See, there's something about the, uh, re- humanity with religion that has a gravity to it that pulls us down, uh, and it pulls us toward exclusivity. Mm. It pulls us to a place where it's like, God, I'm special to God, and what that means is others aren't. Maybe you wouldn't say it, but like, we have our lists of that. I remember uh, when where Cindy and I got married in a little town in Michigan, Holland, Michigan, and we served in this little Rose Park Baptist Church, uh, and we served in many areas. One of them was in Awana, which is a children's program that has games, and uh, Awana stands for Approved Workmen Are Not yes, Ashamed. Yes. I can remember that. <laughs> and um, there was this one little kid, I still remember his name, Gene Crumb. And he had, he had a little speech impediment. So he couldn't say his R's. He said them with W's. And so we're in the middle of this game, and he's on my team, and he's screaming, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, while they're running around doing this thing. And he's like, praise the Lord, just for our team, though. <laughs> I remember that, and I knew I'd be able to use it one day. <laughs> Here we are. And I think that's... Like, I don't know about you, but, like, I can get in that mode. Yeah. It's like there's an exclusiveness. And you think, like, how this psalm would have been sung 
I'm sure that there were um, followers of Yahweh at the time yeah, that like yeah. sang it only with themselves in mind. Mm. You know, great is God's love toward us. Praise the Lord, but just for our team, though. You know, in the time of Paul, uh, some... Uh-oh. Uh -oh. What do you guys think? Should we just stop? We're almost done. All right, let's just stop. <laughs> At the time of Paul, uh, a Jewish male had several rote prayers that they would pray. And one of the common prayers was, I thank you, God, that you made me Jewish and not a Gentile. Mm -hmm. And I thank you that you made me free and not a slave. And I thank you that you made me a man and not a woman. And that's kind of like the, the souring yeah, or the, yeah. the arrogant side of what it means to be loved by God. Hmm. When the psalm says that we praise God because of his great love for all nations and all yeah. peoples, it, it makes me think of Jesus mm -hmm. in his life. I mean, it, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus is constantly trying to overturn this thinking of exclusivity yes. among the religious leaders of his religion at that time. And con you know, the stories, the encounters, the life that he lived, the things that he taught, he was really, the, the bulk of it is undoing this perception that God is just for my side. Praise the Lord, just for my team, though. Yeah. And then you see, like, early Christians mm -hmm. wrestling with this idea as you go through Acts. Uh, the apostle Peter, who came mm -hmm. from the Jewish yeah, tradition, he couldn't, he couldn't rise above it. And he has this dream where, you know, yeah. um, you know, he understands that all food is available to him to eat. You know, there's nothing unclean anymore. And it, even then, it takes, him a, it takes him time and confrontation yeah, by yeah. others to get it. I just think that, for me, I, I can kind of like fall into that hole and, and root for my side mm. and put some people beyond the grace of God. And I think it's a failure to distinguish between... Um, who the gospel's available to and who mm. responds to it. Yeah. And I can start to think that there's no way that that person could ever respond to the grace of God. Which, by the way, I think I've mentioned here before that the first time I went to church mm. Mm -hmm. as a high schooler, that later the youth pastor's wife told me that when I walked in, she leaned over to another youth counselor and said, if that kid ever became a Christian, that would be a miracle. And I don't know what I was giving off, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure I was cocky. Maybe it was the roach clip on my neck uh, that I wore to church uh, with long hair and, you know, the whole scene back then. But, you know, uh, Paul writes in Romans 15, verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted mm. you. This is, not, this is not exclusive. This is inclusive. Accept one another just mm. as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Think about that. that. That praise to God is the result of us accepting people as Jesus has accepted them. I love what Tim Keller says. Um, 
He says, if you pray or sing this psalm, it recoils on you. Hmm. You must go out and sing God's praises to the nations too. The fact that we have been the recipients of God's love has not just a responsibility to it, but it has like a bounce back effect. It's like you bounce off of that. You don't just settle into it and absorb it and soak it up and hog it. It's like recipients of God's love. When we get it, we bounce, we recoil, and we can't help but share the same love of God. If you, were, if you became a Christian later in life, then you know that. You know that. You know, I mean, if you grew up in a Christian home, you, know, you, you probably can't remember a time where you didn't believe in God. But for those of us who did not come from that, it came from a different kind of background, even a pagan background, you know, the idea that God loves us was totally revolutionary. And when you, when you get that, you can't help but share it with other people. That's part of what this praise, this psalm is too. It's like, I, I'm a recipient of God's love. And I wonder if, if we, as a church, as individuals, are we... Uh, all you peoples and all you nations kind of person or church. Are we, are we expressing God's praise to the people around us that are far from God? Because that's, the praise is the result of doing that. Yeah. Paul says that, accept one another as Christ for, uh, accepts you. And you will bring praise to God. So it's more than just singing. It's, it's responding in, in praise. And I, I think it's, it's inevitable. It's, it's, um, it's unavoidable mm. when God's love really settles into your heart. In fact, and I, and I, do you want to say something? No, I'll, well, go ahead. I, I'm, 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 really, I'm just sitting here going like, yes, this is why I wanted to do this. I'm telling you, I sit across from Britain and, and he'll just go off on these sermons and I'm just like, there's so much wisdom and experience that you have over the years that, you know, when we're sitting across the table, it just comes off with such ease. And I'm listening to you and, and it just sparks any thoughts in me. I, I mean, I think about the most famous verse in all scripture, you know, for God so loved one type of people. I mean, the world. <laughs> the world, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about Philippians chapter 2, we're at the end of this Christ hymn, and he says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is the praise and glory of God the Father. And what a beautiful picture of all different types of people. So I thought about this quick story. This is my last bit, and then you okay. can close this up. As you were talking about how there's like a recoil, and it's just so natural that we would go out, and this really is more of like to the nation's example uh, I'm reminded of a couple who I never had the privilege to meet, but I think around 1920, as the Great Depression was beginning, there was a young couple. Uh, they were the Wolves. That was their last name. I don't remember their first names. And for whatever reason, in response to the grace and the goodness of God, they decided that they would do a pretty audacious thing. They traveled across the Pacific Ocean, and they became missionaries in the Philippines. And they landed in this province, this place called Tagaytay. And I, I th I've been in the Philippines once. I was six years old. I don't really remember anything. <laughs> we rode a horse um, <laughs> and had good food and stuff. But 
this couple, they befriended this local tobacco farmer uh, who was really just mean and gritty and gruff. He was a boxer, uh, was just ragtagging the community. He was probably the type of person where it said, if this man becomes a follower of Christ, then it would be a miracle, And uh, which every time it's a miracle, yeah, really, true, if we think true. about it. But, you know, that was my great-grandfather. And the Wolf family ended up staying uh, with him and, you know, brought this family to the Lord, and that was you know, several generations ago. And I think about the impact of that couple that would go out and sing a song to the nations and wouldn't just sing it, but would travel across an ocean. Um, And I'm not sitting here if my great-grandfather wasn't encountered by these people and our family wouldn't be where we are and I wouldn't be sitting here with you. And I just think, great is his steadfast love toward even the ones that are far away. So that's my takeaway. Um, thanks for reminding me of little family history. Yeah. So, in, you know, if you look at this psalm, again, going back to the macro level, it's really the gospel in a psalm. Yeah. You know, we think of the gospel being a New Testament thing, but it's like we, we praise God for his great love for all people, for all nations, for his great love toward us. And, you know, I know that most people in church on Sunday morning, uh, you know, are the faithful, you believe in God, you're, many of you serve here, and you, your heart is totally aligned with God. Um, but I know in an audience like this, there, there's always somebody who's like, you just feel so far from God, and there's some reason that you came to church today. And you have all these ideas of who, who God is, and who's God, who what God's people are like. And it may just seem like you're, you're totally on the outside or, you know, you're never going to measure up to, like, all these, like, really nice Christian people in here. And you're just never going to be able to achieve that. And what comes out of the psalm is that we can praise God because he did come for all peoples mm-hmm. and all nations. And I don't know where you come from. That, that's not just like a location. That's, that's like different kinds of people, mm-hmm. people that have been really nice, people that have destroyed their lives, people that are just far, far from God. We can all come together and praise God because of his great love. And I think if I wanted you to walk away with a thought or an idea as someone who feels like, you know, you're, you're far from God, as Jed mentioned, God sent his son Jesus mm. out of love for the world. And he didn't distinguish between the good ones and the bad ones. We all need God's grace. There's nobody that is so good that they don't need the grace of God. And there's just nobody so far, so bad, so wretched from, you know, that they cannot be saved by Jesus Christ. So that's a thought I want you to leave with. And then the other one is for the majority of us that are here. It's like we have, we have something to praise mm-hmm. God for. And that, that affects everything about you. It, it's your worldview. It's your perspective. When you go to work tomorrow, it's the way you're going to treat one another in your church when you don't agree. It's, it's when you go home and uh, you and your wife don't agree or your kids 
you know, are giving you a struggle. It's like you have much to praise. And, you, you know, you can walk through life with all these negative things going on in your head and all, uh, everything that's wrong with the people around you and everything that's wrong with your church or your job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it will totally change your perspective if every day you start and continue your day by reminding yourself of the great love that you've experienced mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. That's a game changer. And it will change everything about you. Jay, do you want to close this out in prayer? No, because I actually need to get on my guitar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay, I'll pray and you get your guitar. Thanks, Britt. Okay, I forgot that.